This is the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast, session number 268. Anthony Jackwin goes online. Welcome to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast with Jason Lynette, your professional resource for hypnosis training and outstanding business success. Here's your host, Jason Lynette. Okay, wow. Hey, it's Jason here. And uh, so we started this series of doing two podcast episodes a week, specifically highlighting hypnotic practitioners around the world who also see their clients online. And you can find all the recent episodes over at worksmarthypnosis.com. And I knew that I wanted to feature Anthony Jackwin as one of these select interviews. Anthony was on the program about a hundred or so episodes ago, episode number 139, which we'll link to that in the show notes at worksmarthypnosis.com. And in this conversation, we get a chance to revisit some of those themes and sharpen some of those principles that both he and his father, Freddie, have shared over the years. Yet as much as this began with the goal of another voice sharing a bit of a step-by-step flow of how online sessions work, well, as you might imagine, Anthony over-delivered. Thanks, buddy. In terms of really letting this become a phenomenal just overview of not just how online sessions work, but truly how the entire process of hypnosis works. I mean, we get into the details as to, first of all, how do you modify inductions and deepeners to be effective in an online format, but then go even further into why he feels at times we don't even need those inductions and deepeners for the hypnotic change work to be effective. So we talk about some of those reasons why uh, some of us have held back over the years and where we eventually found this was a necessity. And I'll share, I'm recording this intro a little after we recorded the conversation And it's late April at this point, and it's now been a full month that every client session has been online. And I'll be uh, sort of recapping this in a future episode in terms of some of those discoveries and nuances and modifications that I've made. So really what began as an exploration of online hypnotic work, well, Anthony delivers an entire masterclass in how hypnosis works and how to be effective in helping your clients in this episode. So listen to this one a couple of times. We'll link to uh, his websites, his uh, previous episode in the show notes over at worksmarthypnosis.com. And I'd encourage you also check out the website worksmarthypnosis.com forward slash now online. Make that all one word, no punctuation in the middle, just cram those two words together, worksmarthypnosis.com, now online. That's where you can find the original response podcast episode I put out at the beginning of the whole coronavirus pandemic. You'll also see on that page some ongoing resources, such as how to modify your sessions online, how to make things like the Dave Alman induction work for an online platform, exactly uh, what software that I use, what hardware, and a full step-by-step tutorial, plus a series of ongoing online interactive educational events. We've been doing a series of online masterclasses, which uh, the ones with Howard Cooper and Dan Candell, as well as uh, Karen Hand, are now available as instant replay access. If you're listening to this as it launches, you've got to be there for the brain neurology marketing event that I'm doing with John Cook. You can find all the details again over at worksmarthypnosis.com forward slash now online. Plus in late March, we've got a sold out group for the April one. So we're doing it again, a full online certification event. All the details online and the show notes at worksmarthypnosis.com forward slash now online. And with that, 
get ready for a hypnotic online masterclass with the one and only Anthony Jackwin. So here we go, episode number 268, Anthony Jackwin goes online. So Anthony, so good to have you back on the program. How are you? I'm doing very well, doing very well, yeah. despite the, the global circumstances. As we started off, you know, same old, a little bit of the usual. So inviting people on to come on and talk about how do we look at the work of hypnosis and where things are going. You know, I've been calling out in all these episodes that so often moments of great innovation come from moments of challenge. I'm curious, and for folks who are new to Anthony, you can go back to episode number 139, mm -hmm. uh, which happened back in November 2017. We'll link to that in the show notes. But could you give a brief introduction for yourself for those that are new to you? Yes, I've been a hypnotherapist for about 25 years, full-time since 2001. I run a hypnosis and hypnotherapy training company with my father, Freddie Jackwin, called the Jackwin Hypnosis Academy. We do courses all around the world and have an online hypnosis training platform at that website. And, you know, I provide mentoring, coaching, therapy. I do a lot of that stuff online already. I'd say, you know, more and more of my work, especially in the last two years, uh, is done, you know, on Zoom. Anyway, that's about it. Yeah. And at what point was it in your career that you began to actually offer the services online, would you say? It took a while. I'm normally slightly behind the curve on these things. And if I think back to when people first started doing Skype sessions and Skype gnosis and all this kind of stuff, <laughs> around the same kind of time, Hypno Thoughts, the original group was, was kind of forming online because there were so many people piling into that group. It encouraged a lot of... Um, you know, a, little, a lot of online sessions. I have to admit, I was still, I still had some reservations. One, because way back then, I still kind of operated in a, a state-based model of things, which I don't anymore. And I had some mild concerns about, you know, what if we lose connection and all that kind of stuff, which are easily dealt with, by the way. But the other thing was just because of the way I got into it and probably the influence of my dad, I also put some emphasis on the value of sitting opposite someone and looking mm -hmm. into their eyes and, you know, being present with them in, in that space as you go through the session. So I also think that was perhaps, you know, overstated or not, not, not an absolute necessity. There is still some small value in it perhaps, but I find people are so used to online calls you know, to their loved ones, watching lives, watching webinars, that that actually that perceived space has kind of disappeared. It's it's just as intimate, it's just as meaningful. And, you know, I love it. I've really grown to love the freedom it gives me. I can do sessions even when I'm traveling. I can do them at any time of day. The technology is supporting it. I I, I must say Zoom also helped because Right from the start, I just found it more stable. That that may not be the case anymore, but I, I, I'd had some experiences on Skype where things did cut out, and I didn't have any of those in my first sort of year using Zoom. So that, that gave me a bit more confidence. Yeah, there's a few things that you hinted at inside of there that I'd love to unpack with you that you talked about originally 
having a state-based approach to hypnosis than transitioning to something else. Can, can you walk us through that dialogue? Yes. I mean, my view of hypnosis is that it's really defined by the, by, defined by the response, an automatic response to a suggestion. And doing inductions doesn't make us that you know, really significantly more suggestible or more responsive. So first of all, I took that point to heart. Our clients are always on, always responding. I did always behave like that, actually, like my pre-talk, my discussion, my questions was part of the suggestive process, if you like. But now, you know, there may still be some small kind of ritual that initiates the beginning of that part of the session, but I just don't really believe inductions do anything. Um, in terms of turning us up and making us super responsive to ideas. This, the client is already on, they're already responding, so I just begin. So I operate yeah. from you know, the point of view that we can suggest any state to our clients, but suggesting a state change is not a prerequisite for giving other suggestions. So that might make me a a non-statist when it comes to this. <laughs> I know it's all terminology, but but it basically means I'm not trying to put to put or suggest my client goes into a trance, a deep trance, deeper and deeper and deeper. Um, I know those suggestions, you know, are, are readily absorbed by some, and 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 they can be delightful when they are. They're just not a necessity for the work I do. So the way I engage with my client. It, it would clarify these days that their role is entirely collaborative, that there are things for them to do. There'll be times where they're listening, times where they're not. Um, but I'll make that clear, you know, when it, when I want them to do something. So just just uh, defining their role slightly differently helps things along. Right. And I tell you two quick stories, which I don't think I've told you these before. And one kind of highlights exactly what you just mentioned, which is that, you know, by way of so many events happening online and, and, and Zoom, and, and that, that was a cool insight about going back to hypnothoughts.com, that suddenly here was a community of people around the world that wanted to interact, and here came Skype, and there was a platform to do it, which kind of explains further the, the pivot into the HypnoThoughts Live convention. Let's just keep upgrading that experience. Yeah. So when I had you on the podcast back in November of 2017, mm -hmm. I had already read your book, and I suddenly realized, oh, I didn't know Anthony has a, an audible version of this. Yeah. But because I realized that so soon, I listened to you at twice the speed. <laughs> and in the first five minutes of that conversation, which is still in the top 10 of most downloaded episodes yeah, of this series, uh, so congrats on that. Um, the first five minutes, though, I'm in my head because I'm going, God, this is just, what is wrong here? Just, oh, wait, no, I've been listening to Anthony at twice the speed. Oh, that's it. So, But we, we get conditioned. So the best way to get these clients and work with them online is to have them already familiar with you in some online format. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's really where my thoughts are turning now. This this lockdown has, has kind of given me some inspiration. I'm kind of enjoying the limitations it imposes. Uh, uh, peculiar. I like things like that, like the shortest poem and writing. A, there's a book without that doesn't use the letter E. Yeah, um, it can still be entertaining. Now that, that theme of limitations, that's that's amazing. Yeah. So many classic works in literature began by crafting the the rules of the universe before they even wrote the first word of the story um, to look at you know different TV shows they set the premise and they write around that premise 
And when, you know, this is where I know you do a lot of work online too, that when suddenly you give me a template, I shut down. Mm. When you give me a blank screen, I can draw whatever I want, but then I have to hire a more yeah. pricier outsourcer to make it work. Yeah. But there's something about that limitation that drives a greater creativity of how we do this. Yeah. And, and, you know, right now, I know, you know, some of us are used to it. We're already doing this work online. But I also know plenty of people who, you know, haven't quite mastered it. Or I don't feel fully confident that they can set, you know, even set up a zoom call they're concerned about the technology or they they haven't got a proper microphone they don't like being seen on video you know lots of these things come up and they're real concerns they cause even therapists bits of anxiety and you know now is a time to look at that to support each other in this endeavor if someone's struggling then i know you do a lot of this anyway but you know just get back to the basics what is the minimum effective dose i could deliver isn't just, <laughs> you know using skype as audio can i can i essentially do this using you know even my facebook channel and things like that it it's it's kind of simple but it does cause people some concern so getting back to basics sharing the knowledge um, and getting around to mastering it if you haven't done already is going to mean that you can you know, have a go at, at writing this out because I am often asked, you know, is it as effective doing a session, you know, via a video call? And I believe it absolutely is. It's just as effective. Um, it actually permits, you know, an easier way of kind of following up or doing a short, shorter sessions over a period of time and things like that. So if you're not involved already, get involved. And if you need help, you know, reach out. There are plenty of people who can help. Yeah. And in the intros and outros to this episode, we keep pointing people back to a resource that I put out where the content's free, showing people how to set up the Zoom call, what technology I'm using. Mm -hmm. Something that I've really appreciated from your work over the years is this desire to sand things down to the essential, let's say, formulas mm -hmm. of looking at you know, we can talk about a depth scale, but at the end of the day, they're either in hypnosis or they're not. Something that I thought I was brilliant about uh, that I called compliance precedes suggestibility, which uh, then I read your book and you hit the exact same theme with less words, uh, just to know the difference between instructions versus suggestions. suggestions yeah. uh, and and can, can you elaborate on that theme? Because I think that is helpful in terms of how we can begin to modify some of the techniques of what we might do in person and make it work online. Certainly. I, I often find myself opening up my training courses like this. I say we're going to get into many different techniques, but basically everything I'm going to show you um, is made of three ingredients. And one of these ingredients is I will give you instructions to do stuff, like actively to do things, to put your feet on the floor, to put your hands out, to look at me. Uh, the second ingredient is I will give you instructions to imagine things uh, that may be the outcome that we want. It may be a particular step along the way. It may be the means that would make that happen. But the th if you just follow my instructions, and it'd be great if you did, then your subjective sense would be, I'm doing that. You know, I did that. And to make this hypnotic, we need to go a step further. We need a third ingredient. The ingredient is called suggestion. This leads us to what's called the classic suggestion effect. So a suggestion is slightly different from an instruction because of the subjective experience you'll have. A, subject, a suggestion by its nature implies that you will respond to this to a greater or lesser degree automatically. 
It's like a call and a response. Rather than me saying, lift your arm, you might hear me say, your arm will lift. Or to imagine balloons lifting your arm. And your relationship to that movement will be different. Rather than it being a simple doing, it will be experienced as happening to a greater or lesser degree. There's still room for you to be involved. This requires you to use your imagination to collaborate with me. But I'm not just asking you to pretend. Let me show you. You know, and then I'll kind of get into it. So if I was to unpack any induction or any kind of early technique, at least, or even the change, the, the techniques for change, there's stuff for the client to do. You know, there's there's stuff for them to imagine. There's some very specific instructions, even in the arrow technique of, of my dad's. You know, it's do this, picture it this way, go through there now. But at the same time, we're draping all of that with suggestions uh, those feelings are leaving your body. This will never bother you again. The harder you try and find it, the more distant it will become. We're suggesting that your experience of it will be like this. It will happen. So that to me is really hypnosis is best defined by the classic suggestion effect. What is your subjective relationship to the responses you're having? And some clients are looking for a sense of control and some top performers are looking for a sense of flow. They don't want control, like bearing mm -hmm. down on their golf swing. They want to swing. They want to flow with it. So that's what I play with. That's that's really what I mean by, by hypnosis. And what's great about that, and by the way, do you mind if I get that segment about these three parts, if we get that transcribed and stick that in the show notes? Go for it, man. It was pretty, awesome. it was pretty succinct. I got nerds in the back. We will get that in motion. <laughs> They like that I call them that, um, outsourcers. But to, what's great about that, though, and I highlight this and I reference you when I say this, which is that if you ever have a moment in the hypnotic process that perhaps is not working by looking at this components of even simplifying it down to the instructions or suggestions, you can define for yourself which this one thing is, which the silliest of stories, I found I could get a better result if I'm doing like an arm lock phenomenon moment by getting the hand into a fist first, that there's more tension in the arm. It's not necessary, but the result was more consistent. Yep. And here's a moment where I'm saying to this guy, all right, so go ahead and take that hand squeeze into a fist and nothing's going on. And I check in, he can hear me. And I ask what's happening. And he goes, it's not working. And I had to just kind of lean in and smile and say, some things are just instructions, which as soon as that yeah. happened though, the rest of the process naturally occurred. Yeah. which there's another theme of yours I want to circle back to and highlight, which is that of just creating a moment of leverage. So you mentioned, you know, the arm raising up mm -hmm. and correct me on this. Cause I think one of your earlier quotes is now that it's there, it means you can do something with it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Indeed. You know, we're, we're it leverage or we can springboard from one thing to another early on. You know, my dad and I got into use, the use of idiomotor movements, idiomotor communication. It's been central to our system, you know, for, for decades. But it's always been a great springboard to intensify the suggestion, to, to, to link, as you said, eyes flickering or arm levitation to, you know, an increase in a resource or a change happening or a decision being taken or that part absolutely internalizing that new behavior. So we've always kind of piggybacked our suggestions on the back of things that are happening. I think the other thing that 
I do a lot of simply because I, you know, I, I value um, the micro movements, idiomotor stuff, idiosensory stuff is I think what you develop something of an eye for as a hypnotherapist is finding things where there's actually already some movement. There's already some play. It's just that our clients have never paid attention to it before. I often yeah. say to people who are standing up, if I'm talking to them, I say, just close your eyes for me and just try and stand still. And <laughs> then give them seconds of silence. They'll rapidly, unless they were kind of yogi or something, they'll rapidly find this is incredibly difficult to do. We, we kind mm -hmm. of never stand still actually, maybe, you know, the moment of fright. But apart from that, we never really stand still. We're always wobbling, just our breath and a changing gravity. So if you can tune into th the many things that are happening all of the time like that, even when you place fingertips on a table and turn someone's attention to those fingertips, you know, they've never really thought of different levels of pressure or one's touching down more than the other. But as soon as you focus in on that it becomes much much easier to begin to create experiences almost from nothing just almost like you're pulling it out of the air but it's not quite from nothing it's from the fact that you know when we turn our attention to our own experience it's in flux it's changing all the time and again it responds to suggestion it responds to our attention almost trying to to get hold of it so yeah a lot of fun with that and, and this is part of why I wanted to have you on in this series. There's this looking at all these variations that we have within our world of all these techniques and all these different methods, but how so often you can sand them down to the core essential elements. And it's really variations upon a theme to not look at a technique now and go, oh, but I can't do that one online. Uh, but instead yeah. to go, well, here's what essentially is happening inside of this process. And if now I'm looking at a screen by way of a webcam versus we're breathing the same air in the same room, when you understand the core components inside of something, that's when the modifications become a little bit more automatic, a little bit more natural. Indeed. And, and that question comes up a lot because, um, as you may know, I know you've, you've met my dad a couple of times, in, in a face-to-face in a -face session, we both use the same induction. We don't really vary it. We, in a first session, we we always use this power lift of my dad's that involves kind of lifting their arm up and down and doing it a few times and then creating a bit of a pattern and deviating from that pattern. So, yeah, even some of our students who have been practicing for years will say, you know, how, how, how do I operate online? Because they've been schooled in that induction. I mean, they learn others too, but... Which for those that don't know the first phase is that you're guiding the hand for them and eventually that becomes an automatic thing that you don't have right, to assist. You take hold of their wrist and you say, I'm going to lift it up. When it gets to there, you can allow your eyes to close. I'll push it down. Your eyes will open up and down a few times. And the third time you end it with their arm in the air and their eyes closed. And that our next step is to create idiomotor movement. It normally happens in that hand, but it doesn't have to. It, we cast our neck quite wide. It can be their eyes flickering, shoulders moving, breathing, shifting, or the other hand moving or something. So, you know, some people will just say, well, how do you operate online? And I guess good old Bob Burns has enabled me to bridge across in that the swan essentially puts you in that position anyway. And you can kind of, you know, I'm very comfortable doing that in a discussion. So normally for me now, when I'm working online and I'm having a discussion, I'll often use the swan early on. I say, I'll tell you what, before we go any further, let's try something. And the swan also, in, you know, check it out if you don't know it by Bob Burns. He always tells me off when I don't mention him at least three times. <laughs> 
And I may have been guilty about trying to uh, pit a false fight between your father and uh, Bob about, yeah, but the, the arrow would just ruin us. Why? Who's next guitar or, or, or something. <laughs> so early on in the discussion, I'll often use this one. I say, hey, let's just try something. And I do a very basic version of it. You know, is your mind willing to look at this? The hand twitches. Does it know what to do about it? The hand turns. And at, at that point, I will often just go straight, if you like, into the induction. I don't, again, I think it's a false distinction. To me, they're already responding. They're already hypnotized. It's already game on. But as the hand turns, especially if it's the first time someone's experienced that, they're kind of freaked out by it anyway. And I'll often just say something like, anytime it's easier, you know, just close your eyes and go into hypnosis. And it's like, boom, and off they go. The hand's still there and turned. So I can then get a little deeper into that. The, the core of the system my dad and I use involves this kind of single, you know, negotiating with a single part, a bit like the, 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 the famed six-step reframe is a kind of trimmed down version of that. And we're already in position. The hand's in the air. They've already experienced some you know, hypnotic phenomenon. And now I can push through with that kind of parts type language. I can speak to that part and just get on with my work. So that is an easy route into, into doing an induction. If you don't want to bounce from the discussion into that, then for me online, I will do a couple of what I call a set piece, but a couple of suggestibility exercises. I'm not really testing too much. I'm just doing stuff that I know everyone will experience, magnetic fingers, perhaps light, heavy arms. There you go. Good. You've got a great imagination. And then... I will put their arm up in that swan position. I'll ask them to look at their hand and I'll get into what I just described a moment ago. It, okay, just look at your hand, you know, almost like you've never looked at it before. Look at where the light falls, where the shadow falls. And Jason's unconscious is willing to look at this. That hand will move. It may be a finger twitches, it may turn, it may even shake. You may feel it like a build up in energy. Ah, oh, there it is. Right. <laughs> so, so. That's how I get started online. It gives me feedback. I always send my clients instructions about, you know, ideal conditions. If you were sat at a computer, that would be better than your phone. But either way, if you can make sure you can hear clearly, if you have headphones, that's good. Um, if I can see you down to the waist, you know, that would be useful. If there are arms on the chair, that would be helpful. And I'll get somewhere near perfect conditions, if not perfect conditions. If someone's sitting on their sofa, it's easy enough anyway. But if you if you take care of some of that stuff beforehand in a message or an email, you know, keeping in mind you don't want to push it too far because people can't meet all of those conditions, that sets things up nicely. And then I get into my session and it's, it's a normal session after that. To be right. Yeah. It, it seems to be more so that sort of setup and that get ready, which I mean, to even go back to the classic nature of a pre-talk that really is about inoculating challenges before they even would arise, the same as any decent conversation or sales process would often have that. And I love what you you kind of hinted at there about not making the details too difficult. Mm-hmm. That this, this is something I figured out early on. If I told someone they had to do something a specific way, yes, that does increase the prestige of the instruction and even possible suggestion, yeah. but it also may unfortunately give them an out. as to why it did not work. So as much as I would say headphones are ideal, I don't stress that. I go, yeah, it's generally a good idea if you've got headphones, but that's not required. 
Otherwise, if I said you need to wear them and then otherwise they go, I don't have them, it's not going to work. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, I do the same thing if I'm going to do any kind of lecture or performance or whatever. I give a sheet of, you know, these are ideal conditions and then <laughs> check where the conditions are at beforehand. And it's just due diligence. It allows you to see what to look out for. Yeah. So in the structure of that session, is it typically what we could kind of deem as like a classical hypnosis that at some point the eyes are closed and now it's a bit a longer of a process? Is it more, let's say, fractionated with these little sort of uh, segments or how would you define how that plays out with you? I really believe we're at work in a, in a suggestive way throughout as soon as the client comes into the session, if not before. Yeah. So it's exactly the same here with the room. Um, but normally I've had little or no contact with my clients before that. I mm -hmm. typically get into it with some questions. That takes about 10 minutes, you know, depending on, 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 on what it is. I have a discussion that may range from 15 to 45 minutes. It really kind of depends, again, on, on the topic. If it's something like weight loss, then it'd probably be a bit more involved, a bit more lifestyle stuff, you know, maybe some other things related to that. But generally, I'd say it's about 30 minutes. And that is one of the most important part of the sessions. You said it there. It's really about, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm negating issues. I'm challenging beliefs. Ideally, I'm changing them. By the time we get to the hypnosis part, some of those things should have changed. You should have accepted that there is a situation where you could do this. You could mm -hmm. change this. There, that you, um, this isn't that weird or unusual that it's not necessarily about the nicotine. It's more about the nature of a habit and so forth and so on. So I've still done that work. When I get to the hypnotic part of the session itself, yes, I normally have my clients close their eyes. It's not a state of eyelids, but I normally have them close their eyes. Most people find it easier to imagine stuff and just kind of take the step back of, you know, I'm sitting here and it's, you know, it's a bit odd. Someone's watching me, but you know, I'm 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 comfortable with it. And the, and the reason they're comfortable is because they're engaged with processes that are easier to carry out with your eyes shut. So the typical flow of a session, real quick, is I do my induction. I create idiomotor communication. I only create a yes signal. I don't set up mm -hmm. other signals. I only have a yes. I hook that signal into what my dad and I call a parts negotiation. We're talking to one part that runs one behavior with an intention. We don't even try and figure out the intention. We ask it to find other ways to achieve it. If you need to, a reference for that, go back and read like Frogs into Princes and Transformations by Bandler and Grinder. There are many ways of doing parts work. We do a trimmed down version of that. And then I add other techniques as that technique is rolling because I give it some time to, to search and so on. So, you know, it's like bring your best um, tools to the job. So I'm going to use the arrow. I'm going to use metaphor, direct suggestion, post-it mic suggestion. I'm going to test my work at the end, finish the parts work, reorientate the client. And if it's testable, like a fear or pain, test it right there and then see if there's some more work we can do. I normally then teach my clients self-hypnosis right at the end. I've given them a suggestion to go right back into whatever condition they're in a moment ago. So I'll show them in very brief but you know useful way how to use self-hypnosis after the session. 
and that's that. I guess I'm normally sort of done in an hour to an hour and 10 minutes, hour and 15 minutes in a first session. After that, it really depends. Say some of my clients I have contact with every week. It's more of a coaching type relationship. Sometimes it's like 15, 20 minutes is enough. We just go bang at like seven o'clock in the morning or eight o'clock in the morning on whatever it is they're working on or whatever they need to clear. And Mm -hmm. we do the work. You know, more traditionally, my therapy clients are going to get, again, 60 to 75 minutes in a typical session. If I'm so, I have mentoring relationships, you know, training uh, people or helping them with their business, that kind of stuff. I, those sessions tend to be one to two hours. Really depends on the client and what they can fit in. What's great about this was this began as how do we modify for just working online and to hear there's a few little thoughts about looking at just the structure of what can we not physically do. But then, of course, not surprised, you turn it into a master class of all things hypnosis. So thank you for that. <laughs> before we, uh, before, yeah, before we wrap it up, any, uh, where, where can people best track you down online? How can they get in contact? How can they find out more? Okay. Well, um, my dad and I run an academy that teaches hypnosis and hypnotherapy and all of our courses have been put online just in the last four or five months. So it's super fresh. This is like our entire professional hypnotherapy training plus impromptu hypnosis, what I'm best known for, my dad's quit smoking protocol, the arrow, it's all in there. You can binge and leave. If you just want a fat month of hypnosis, go ahead and $47 for like tens of thousands of videos. So that's jacquinhypnosisacademy.com. Go to the online segment and you can check it out. And there's also a seven-day money-back guarantee. But I know you're going to love it. There's tons of content. If you want to speak to me personally, you can do it via that website. But my personal website is anthonyjacquin.com. You can find out a little bit more about my uh, therapy, mentoring, coaching services on there. And if you happen to be interested in what I'm into right now, given where we're at with this lockdown, tomorrow I'm about to launch a new group on Facebook. Not that you need another one, but I'm going to encourage you. <laughs> I'm going to encourage you to clear some redundant ones and stop like watching Corona headlines and make some headspace. So I'm about to open the iLab. The iLab. This is like the laboratory of you. I'm going to bring my best work to this, and it's completely free. I'm only interested in people who want to engage. There are three rules. You're 100% committed to yourself, personal change. You're 100% committed to this group. Whatever skills you can bring, um, you bring and share with the group. And number three is you bring three things that you would like to change, do, achieve in the next three months. And we go to work together on those things, you and I individually and us as a group. So that's the iLab, if you check out my Facebook profile. Which this, we're actually recording a few weeks in advance. So if you give me the link for that, we'll just put that in the show notes and folks can find that right away. It's literally going to go live tomorrow. But yeah, look, we're all um, we're all kind of trapped at home right now. This is a good opportunity to stretch ourselves. It's a good opportunity to share, collaborate, reach out to people who, you know, perhaps you thought, you know, were too busy. Um, or didn't have enough time because they're sitting at home too. And you'll find even people as, as successful and busy as Jason, you know, have a love for this subject and want to share. I do too. So if I can help you in any way, let me know. If you think there's something you can do for me, you know, get in touch. We'll get through this together. 
and um, come out the other side a little leaner and wiser and hopefully a little closer as well. Jason Lynette here once again, and as always, thank you so much for interacting with this program, for using it as a resource in your ongoing hypnotic education. I'll give a simple plug. Go check out anything Anthony and Freddie Jackwin do and get it. There, that was easy. And also head over to worksmarthypnosis.com forward slash now online. That's again, the place where we're using as the hub for all of these online series sessions, a full tutorial about how to do the technical side of bringing your sessions online, uh, plus some upcoming online events, including a full hypnosis certification event. Check that out. All the details online, worksmarthypnosis.com forward slash now online. Thanks for listening and Seriously, go wash your hands. Thanks for listening to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast at worksmarthypnosis.com. Hold up. 